you may already be familiar with the work of today's Grammy award-winning guest host. He's worked with Black Coffee, Chance the Rapper, Brass Tracks. He's appeared on Late Night with the likes of The Roots, Lil Wayne, Ice Cube. But New York got to know Jay Hort at Arlene's Grocery on the Lower East Side of Manhattan when he was the singer in The Lesson GK. The Lesson was an open hip-hop jam session. Anybody could participate. Uh, anybody, that is, uh, who could keep up with the level of musicianship. We're talking Robert Glasper, Bilal, Kimbra, Corey Henry. The list of the Lesson luminaries is quite staggering. So, join Jay Hort as he dives into the story behind how Aline's Grocery became the epicenter of an entire music culture. He's joined by venue GM Jennifer Blue Gonzalez and the legendary MC Phase One. I'm Cecilia from Marauder, producers of the American iteration of Independent Venue Week. And this is Independent Venue Speak. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with C-Tickets. We cannot thank C-Tickets enough for helping us tell these vital stories. And if you visit welcome.ctickets.us, you can read even more independent venue stories. C-Tickets welcomes you to Independent Venue Speak. Guys, first off, hi. How are you? How are you? COVID didn't get you down. I mean, or maybe it got you down, but we we back up, okay? That's We're right. coming back. Well, coming back, back stronger than ever. Stronger Slower than study. ever. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for those who are listening and haven't, you know, been able to actually visit Arlene's Grocery before, can you describe the room? Sure. So if you walk into Arlene's Grocery, it's nice and warm and cozy. It's a little gritty. You have street art in down the hallways and um, it's a really intimate venue space. Uh, you're really close to the artists. It kind of is like a nice little place that um, people can grow and perfect their craft. And it's not overwhelming. Um, it's just it's enough to swallow as you kind of create what you are. And we have music seven days a week, typically for a day. So we just filter through quite a bit of, um, artists and the staff has been there for years. Some grew up there, actually did their high school homework in the vestibule. Um, yeah. So the staff has been there a long time, which creates some little bit of a community and a family dynamic they don't stray. So that's always the think a good testament to the higher ups and the ownership and, and things when you know, when there's no turnover, that it's a good spot. So can you explain maybe even like, what does it look like when you walk into, if I'm coming to a show? The great part about it is that it's two completely different um, spaces. So when you walk in, there's a fireplace, um, it's dimly lit, it's kind of sexy, but a little gritty. And, um, that is a whole different vibe. So that's kind of where you're going to go hang out with your friends, do some after, you know, work drinking, um, and just chill and just like have relationship conversations and drinks. If you take a left, you go through a blue door and down two steps, two uh, steps. into the venue. Gotta be, two careful. Steps. Gotta be careful. <laughs> then you get into the venue space, which could be anything. It mm-hmm. could be, literally anything, but it, it, it gives you an opportunity if, you know, there's an opener or things like that to kind of go back into the place and regroup and reset, if you will. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I love about Arlene is now that I'm thinking about it, as you leave each door, you're always looking at the bar, you know, so yeah. if there is always, a, you know, so the, you know what I mean? Like if you, I mean, unless you're just not paying attention, you know, on a mission, it's very hard to miss saying hi. To your friends. It's very hard to 
you know, it's difficult to like just slide by and not acknowledge those that you love. And so um, we'll get into that later, I think, even with phase and, you know, talking into like the structure of the jam. But like as you were as every time as you say goodbye from the music place to the bar area, you're always going past the bar. And so it kind of like keeps this ongoing goodbye salute. Uh, or salute or cheers, you know, whatever, like that's continuous motion of salutations. And I think that kind of maybe helped as well. You don't have it oddly in the corner or no, no, it's right here. It's right here. Amazing. And uh, when was Arlene's uh, founded? You were saying like, you know, some of the staff members have done their homework there. So when, when was the, when, oh, sorry, how long did it operate as a grocery store and how long did it operate as a, or when did, when did it start operating as a concert hall? Sure. So Arlene's Grocery um, started in 1995 and it was a bodega prior and as in homage to the neighborhood and really kind of for the owners, just, I guess, in, instead of coming in like, like here we are, it was like a good way to kind of pay tribute to the neighborhood. So they kept mm-hmm. the name Ar- and it was actually Arlene Grocery. So if, if you ever see like old school people, and they say Arlene grocery, it's because they added the yes, because of it. nobody, everybody said Arlene's. So in 1995, they took over the bodega that was just the venue space and um, started running shows. And it was like a dark, closed little place. And then um, a year and a half later, the butcher shop, which was next door, went, went for sale. So they took over the butcher shop, which um, we call in, if you've worked there or, you know, part of the family, we call it that the butcher bar, um, and to pay homage as well. So they expanded over and then they created those two dynamics. And if you look in, in the venue space on top of the bar, there's the original Arlene grocery bodega, um, awning up on top of the bar, which is very unique and exciting. All my years there never knew that. You'll see it. It'll even say Arlene. Wow. All my years there. That's amazing. That is amazing. And now that you mentioned the butcher shop, uh, the aesthetic now matches the function of that space. That makes so much sense. Because I've always thought that the uh, bodega part was where the butcher shop was. But it seems like it's kind of conducive to a butcher shop. Wood, stone, you know, all these things that, you know. Wow. Yep. Amazing. They really tried to kind of leave that sort of brick, uh, stone, wood like feel to it. Um, yeah. And when did you uh, when did you join the Arlene's family? Um, so I joined about seven. It'll be seven years in September. And um, I had some previous general manager experience in California, and I came to New York and just wanted to be a part of it. I came in and had a drink and I was like, this is the place of uh, our girlfriend, Izzy. She was behind the bar and she was so well welcoming and warm. And I just got in there and worked and, and loved it and saw what was really amazing about it. And then the, the GM position opened and it was a no brainer of uh, taking on that responsibility to like kind of carry on the the wonderful things that they had already put in place long past, you know, prior to me. Wow. Now, for many that don't know, Arlene's Grocery was not the first place um, that the lesson was hosted. So can you let me know what is the name of the first location and where um, that, you know, where it was as well as uh, how and why you guys ended up at Arlene's? So no, Arlene's wasn't the first place, but uh, the the first place that we did it was about three blocks, four blocks at best. But it was on First Ave, and 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 it was in this place called Bamboo, mm-hmm. and it was a down spit downstairs type of place. And on the top, it was Lucky Chang's, and then on the downstairs, they used to just do parties, like just like whoever would book it, do underground parties, whatever. So. We started down there and kind of like a hole in the wall type of spot. It was half the size of of what Arlene's was. So it's like you 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 get like, you know, 20 people, 25 people in there. It's already getting kind of 
You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? In stack. So yeah, so we've we've had as much as like maybe like 50 people in that room. You know what I mean? And and it'd be a sweat box. But we started there, and then for six, we were there for six months, and and then uh, they bought out the building, so then everybody had to go. So we did our last show in like the end of September of that year, and then uh, we needed to find a place, and we we found a place within. Uh, a week or uh, a week and a half and it was Arlene's you know what I'm saying there was a lot of other different spots too like you know Bowery Electric and all these different places but um something about Arlene's just stuck uh you know Lenny and Dave and Christian they were the ones who kind of like went to it and scouted it out our dude Malik who helped us at Bamboo he was the one who connected us to Arlene's and then they they started us in uh i believe it's j is it jmj the the the, the, the college cmj yeah. cmj C, cmj uh week and they had us there on wednesdays first so we used to do thursdays then it was wednesdays then they had us there for a month and then they switched it to thursdays and then they just kept having us on the calendar so we was only supposed to be there for a trial period but they just kept having us there and we just kept going, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and then by the end of that year, that first show in January was the first time it was like, we couldn't let nobody in anymore. Like it was yeah. just like packed and there was still a line around the corner and it was snowing a little mm-hmm. bit that day. You know what I mean? So it was, it was an insane day. Then after that time, it didn't not look like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just stayed like that for months upon months. And then, you know, gradual dips that will kind of confuse people and a little bit like, yo, are we doing something wrong? What are we doing? Like, you know what I mean? You try to figure it out. But then, uh, and then, you know, it'll go right back and it'll be doing it again. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So then it's just been like that since that time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it gets us into a lot of things. Um First off, real quick, Blue, what was your first lesson experience? Um, I picked up a Thursday night shift and I I had heard of them. I hadn't attended. I really didn't know what to expect. Um, but I was, I, and it wasn't like I just popped in and covered a shift. I like was going to start working Thursday nights. And it was a little bit like, you know, like getting dropped into something that you didn't really know what what it was, but it was something that everybody knew. The good thing about that group was they're so, they're very family-based and everybody is so open to everybody. So it was no transition to get in. It was just, people were really nice and they were like, who are you? You're new, you know, like what, you know, and it just kind of immediately picked off. Um, I remember my first time actually going and watching the show instead of bartending was kind of like an aha moment. Like I get it because you, it's such a separate dynamic that I, I worked it. I kind of saw the kind of people that came through and the great thing about the lesson is they always do a break in the middle. And that's really nice because they get to intermingle. And I, I've always thought that that's like amazing. Mm -hmm. That if you're a fan, you can go and speak to these people and, 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 touch, you know, what you're seeing. So I got to experience like the people and everything that it was. But when I saw the actual show was probably like a month later, I was like, ah, I get, I get why these crowds are flocking in. Mm -hmm. Before, before Blue became the GM, she, she was bartending, right? But she was in the upstairs part. And you know, someone else will be in the downstairs where the show's happening. So she's only getting the like, you know, like before you walk in the club and you're just mm-hmm. hearing the bass rattle and then you open the door and then you're hearing the, the oh, you like you're hearing the whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, that's what she was getting a lot of the times. And sometimes she's seeing some people come out from the artist side or from the exit side and we're like sweating and just like full of adrenaline running across the room. Like, you know, she it's like, she's just getting these little breadcrumbs of things though. She's right next to the source of it. Right. And then all she kept saying was, 
And I'm only saying this because people need to remember, but it's like, she will always say, yo, I have to take off one day. I have to take off one day or switch with somebody downstairs so I can see what this is about. And in turn, one day she actually took off instead so she could actually like, you know, kind of socialize in the same kind of environment as everyone else. Yeah. And then that's when and she was always in the back, had her, her, her Apple Jack hat vibe, like how she got right there. And she would just be in the back with her with her beer in hand. And she's just like, I'd be like, how's the show? She's like, oh, my God. You know, like and it's, she finally like understood it. But I just wanted to say that because it's like when you hear it, like when you hear her say, hey, I, I didn't know I, I, this, that, the third is because she was in the other room. The butcher bar. She was up on the butcher part of, uh, of the vibe and we was in the Arlene part of the vibe. So she's not, you know what I mean? So when mm-hmm. she finally saw it, she was able to connect the two. So when she's back doing what she's doing, she understands the science that's happening mm-hmm. in the rooms. You know what I'm saying? So what I love is isolated of the music. She still understood the effect of the music, the effect of the space, right? And I think that's what I love is prior to the experience, like I, the, I want to get it. I want to understand it. I want to understand. I, I want to feel it for myself. I don't understand it. It's kind of weird, but I want to get it because everybody else is, you know, feeling it. I love that though, which leads me to the next question, which is with that, was there anything like this in New York? Was there a session that gave people this feeling? Was there a session that oh. gave people this um, opportunity? And was there a session that gave people this also music? Like that's the thing about the lesson as, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay as third party as I can, but that's something that that is awesome about the lesson. You have the, the hang, you have the music, as well as you have the community. You know what I mean? Um, the hang being the level that people are at, if that makes any sense. Um, which we'll get into further on. It'll make more sense. So first answer that one, my bad, is was there any other sessions like the lesson? And then were there are were there any sessions, were there any events like the lesson at other venues? You know what I'm saying? Okay. Was there any other vibe or session like the, like lesson. the lesson? Prior Absolutely to did it start? Not. Perfect. Absolutely not, right? And then the second the, one. Now, it's been aligned and compared to something called the Black Lilies that was founded in Philly that had to do with Bilal, Jill, you know, Jazzy Fat Nasties, all those people that represented uh, Jasmine Sullivan, all of uh-huh. them. They used to uh-huh. do a hang, a hang in Philly that they also brought, the roots brought to wetlands in the late 90s. And they were doing sessions that were very, very similar to our session, but from uh, music, an artist standpoint but when it comes to the hang and the the familiar vibe that we created there's no other place that did that they did their own version mm-hmm. of what that is but typically it's just the socialite aspect of a of an event night but mm-hmm. what we did it, it was almost like you know the last supper but every week you know what i'm saying like that th- we're that together now in the Lower East Side, that's always been considered the live music scene since the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for a lot mm-hmm. of people that may not know that. Um, but there's been, like far as hip hop is concerned, there was a jam back in 2001 or two that used to be like on First Ave, 10th Street, uh, around the area that, that Ray Angry Mm-hmm. That place for the roots now. Uh, he started it with Malik, who was who helped us get into Arlene's. He was mm-hmm. the MC of that band. And they had a bunch of other musicians that all individually branched off to do some incredible things in the lanes that they did. But they had a show called The Real Live Show. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that they implemented, you know, the music with the jazz and all that, but then with the MC aspect and, and doing the improv or doing music songs, whatever, that was kind of like the first big thing that happened in that time. I never had the uh, honor privilege to attend. I was just being told about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And that was around the time when I first uh, got hip to the scene and started performing live, like with bands. It was kind of like in that, 
time uh, of my life. You know what I mean? So yes, there were others. And then as you see, they had like freestyle Mondays. They, you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that's been in various uh, venues through time. Uh, they had EO Dub. That's called End of the Week. Uh, that happened every Sunday. That's the longest hip hop live session. Look at like over 20 years. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's like there has been sessions. But when you're talking about the what we're bringing to the village, this is this is like this. This is what it is. It's like you walk into a village and you see the tribesmen, the villagers, the little babies, and, and they're all having the little society mm-hmm. thing. That's what we did. And I can't and I don't want to sound arrogant, but I'm like, yo, when Lenny created that seed of an idea to see it flourish and happen like that and blossom like that, it's it's amazing. And that's the thing that everyone talks about when they're not talking about the music. Mm-hmm. So that's like what that's talking about. That's left that's, hand, right hand. Like, you yeah, know what I'm it's saying? It's the energy. I feel that also due to the music, though. That's why the energy is like that. You know, when your when your music says, I love hip hop, I love R&B, I appreciate country. Um, I was raised on Dominican, you know, boleros. I was raised on bluegrass music. I was, ra- you know what I'm saying? And when we all are able to literally exp- ex- express it, you know, at moments, it literally has a, a wider moment to connect. So I think sometimes, you know, for the hip hop jam, that's like straight up just MCs then singers might get bored. And for the jams that are just singers, you know, I loved um, Village Underground on Monday nights. I would always go there to that open mic, you know, I would get my life lived by those, you know, singers hosted by Cheryl Pepsi Riley, the queen. Mm-hmm. Also hosted by Melanie Daniels, the queen, who sang all oh, no, the actual person singing it, Melanie, da- Melanie Daniels, look her up, um, sang backgrounds from Mariah Carey, what's her vocal coach? Um... Anyway, uh, that's who I was. That's where I was going to get my music going, right? But then, I mean, my singing on. But then sometimes it's like after the 18th person that sounds like Jasmine or Shaka or Aretha, it's like, all right, where's the MC? So the lesson like helped break it up because you would get the crazy MCs like yourself, um, Dizzy Sins, um, uh, Eli Rabbi, Black, Rabbi you know, um, Mike Larry, oh, oh, and yes. all very different styles. Literally all very different styles. And you would get great singers like the Kennedys, like the Melodies, like the Nadias, you know, like literally different styles within these amazing artists that are literally bringing a vibe. And not only bringing a vibe, but sharing in a vibe. And I think that's another thing um, in our music presentation of the lesson. It was like the vibe was it. And you can be dope in the vibe, but by God, you got to provide a vibe first. You can riff all you want. You can line all you want eventually, I guess, if it gets there. But that's if it gets there. The vibe is first, right? Um, With that being said about the vibe being first, was there any other event like the lesson at Arlene's Blue? Uh, No, I could really confidently say no. And not because of the genre or anything like that. I think that what's unique about the lesson was that um, somebody could hear about this session. They could come to Arlene's, not know anybody, just move to New York, Mm -hmm. have no clue what to expect, and then leave the same night being a regular, being totally, um, a part of the magic. Yeah. And also just experiencing something really great and special. And I think that's what I've heard every day after was there just those moments were so special and it was such a great thing. And, and it was that perfect recipe of, the time, the place, the space, the, the, where everybody was in their lives. It was just this beautiful thing that I just don't think you can recreate. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just don't think that it was, um, prevalent in other weekly events. Cause we did have, we did have lots of weekly events, but nothing kind of with that dynamic of the music, but also the community. I mean, that's where I just keep going back to is that community was just growing and growing and growing, super inclusive, super accepting. It was, and a face says it all the time. It was all about the love and, um, 
you felt it. You didn't say it. You felt it. You didn't like talk about um, being inclusive. You felt it. And I think that was for the staff, for the patrons, for the bands. It really was that special. So there was definitely nothing like it Mm. still to this day. I agree. I agree. We just had to have you say it. Um, (laughs) So I know of another model, but there is a former model from the lesson, which is check your ego at the door, stay in the moment coming through and everything should take care of itself. Right. Um, The model that I also know is Gintake Hydro, which is limitation cancellation, which was based off of the anime show Blonde. And that was when they would get to their highest power. I, bleach, not blonde, bleach. The anime show Bleach, 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 Bleach. Sorry, anime lovers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, that's what Google's for. So, Bleach is the anime show. And like, I've watched that one because of our name, right? And when I've watched them reach Gintake Hydro, it's like, oh, they about to do this. They about to, you know, it's about to, they about, you know, somebody about to get dealt with. <laughs> um, and I think that when you bring that, like, you know, the Gintekaijo, yeah, limitations, cancellation, but not, you know, for us to like destroy another musician or destroy another person, but to st- destroy the moment. I think that's what resonated with the crowd. And what also I think helped made it unlike any other thing and once in a lifetime is that literally those songs were once in a lifetime. Like literally we were creating on the spot. And so a lot of these other jams, they would call tunes. A lot of these other jams, they had their go-to chords. Um, we had a go-to sound for sure. And that's like over the years, we had a couple of go-to sounds throughout the years, but there were always new songs. So do you feel like the check your ego at the door, stand a moment coming through and tell it and everything should take care of yourself. Do you feel like that helped get us to work into Kaiju is into that idea of community? Um, I, I can start. Um, I do. I, I think that that was, um, very magnetic. And I also think it resonates really well with people. I think people are searching for truth. They're searching for the realness. You know, mm-hmm. I think we're, we live in a, um, a time where you're kind of really just don't know what to expect. And I think that, um, that what you guys created in that sort of, um, I guess not being above yourself really resonated. And again, I'm going to go back to that break that you guys took where you, you know, like you would switch out or you would do those things and you'd come into the main bar, butcher bar where I was, and you would really, you talk with your fans and you would laugh with your friends and you would like, you, you guys all just really did such a good job about being real, real in the moment. And I think, you know, um, the motto is something that you guys lived by. You didn't just say all those things that you guys did on stage, you lived by, you didn't just say. And I think that because people just gravitate sort towards that realism is why they felt that it was like the authenticity was there and that they just wanted to be a part of it. It was just very magnetic. And so I think that you guys definitely lived that. And uh, it was absolutely a part of that recipe for, you know, mm-hmm. of what the lesson was. I would take it further because when we were in Bamboo and we went over to Arlene's, it was always trying to create a judgment-free space, judgment-free zone. You know what I mean? Always. So I feel like having that kind of, just the judgment-free zone aspect of it is the check your ego at the door, Mm -hmm. right? But I'll say this, because you got to leave room for error. Life isn't perfect. There's always going to be ego everywhere you, you go. You have to, especially yeah, right? as an artist. Come on. Especially as an artist. But it's like, so I'm going to say 80 to 85% of the time is check your ego at the door or it will get checked at some ah. point of the evening or experience. It, it don't have to be this week. Oh. It'll be two weeks from now. But that ego will get challenged and checked. And then you will know how to act. We know several people that have been thrown out of the lesson because they cannot check their ego. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or their behaviors. Uh, like if there's been times where women have stepped to us and said, look, we're in the crowd and they're, they're pressing up on us. Guys is trying to like, you know, fill us up or press their members on us or do all this. They go, where? Who did that? We'll go straight to them. We'll get, We'll get uh, bundles to get them out. 
or we'll or we'll Over. be like, oh, we'll do it ourselves. Like it's 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 that real. So it's like in order to have a magical and extraordinary experience, the person has to be comfortable to receive and they have to be comfortable to be open to allow. You have to be comfortable to be open to express. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you you have to be comfortable to receive and to and to give. So it's like it's it's very important for us to make sure that the setting looks right for everyone. For everyone. You know what I'm saying? You want to know what's interesting about the lesson? The, the interesting thing about the lesson is it teaches you social cues. It teaches you about your social behavior. Yeah. If you don't know how to how to step into a conversation, hey, my name is Jim. I, I work at whatever. You don't know how to get it, get it with that. You could notice in the way people play. You know what I mean? If you can't watch a person play the drums and say, yo, I do this. Yeah, you don't know what to do because you're trying to get yours in and not know how to communicate. That's what the lesson was. It was a big communicational event. Musicians had to learn how to talk to each other because of the improv. But guess what? You're coming in there and you're meeting someone that you have never seen in your life. Nine times out of ten. And sometimes people that you have literally shared all your life. Exactly. Yes. And you, you might be meeting both. And that could be an extraordinary moment for you, for them, for everyone. You know what I'm saying? So, or the worst moment, depending on your oh. ego. And that can I add? So I think oh, no, what right. a thing that I love about the ego, right? The checking of your ego doesn't mean you have to like, at least in my opinion, let go of it completely. It's just like acknowledge no. it, know yours, and then know how to tame it. Know how to not make it problematic. I feel like. When people say, check your ego, it's like, oh, I'm ego-less. It's like, well, oftentimes that leads to other problems. You know, you let people like walk all over you if you don't have an ego at all, okay? But if you have too much of an ego, you may not know how to have a single friend. You know what I'm saying? So there's a checking of it to know your worth. Yeah, exactly, the balance. And I think that's what the lesson did. And um, more so like when I started to frequent the lesson, when I started to visit in my early years uh, before moving to New York, I remember I would always do what I knew to do. And it made me happy and it made other people happy. But it wasn't necessarily the vibe of the lesson. The lesson taught me how to sing and talk to people. Like we were talking to Stan, it was, communi- it was communi- communicative, you know? We literally spoke. We, if that's the base, David would speak or Antoine would speak or whomever was else, you know, whoever else was playing and got the vibe would speak. Jordan would speak on the guitar. Lenny would speak. Nick would speak. You know, Julian would speak. Uh, Chris would speak. Every Christian would speak. Everybody would speak. You know, you would literally speak. You and I would literally speak. Sometimes Lenny would literally speak. So I feel like the talking aspect of it, especially with the lesson being the way it was every week you did, you had an opportunity to hear another person's perspective of this thing called life, you know? And that's why back to that vibe, sometimes we were sad. Like there were moments when things were happening in all of our lives at all, all at once. And so the melancholy- when Trump, when Trump got elected, right? We, we got mad got as hell. That day, I believe he got elected on a Wednesday. Yep. The lesson was a Thursday. And that, it felt, you felt the tension. You felt like the thickness in the air. It felt like there was a mist. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So I bro. feel like that was our year of getting dark. We had gotten dark in 2015. That's when it started. But mm-hmm. I feel like at the end of 2016 into the turn of the year of 2017, that's when we were like, this is how we feel. This is really how we feel right now. You know, having spoken with each other uh, for three years, what, three years to, for, you know, with me at least, with you guys, three years, for you guys, five years, there was a, a, a literal language now. And we like started to know what we wanted to say to the community. And I feel like that's a part of that check your ego. We checked ourselves, as you, as Blue was saying, we literally like would have huddles in the green room and, you know, Lenny or you or whomever was the person that was ministering that night to us. It was like, you should get this together. You got to not do this. You got to not be that. Maybe you should work on this. I'm going to work on that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and we literally would have those powwows pre or after. And some of those powwows literally sometimes would uh, would sort of influence what how we played that night, you know? So I love that aspect of our band. 
It's like you got to check that ego at the door. But most importantly, ego is always something that's supposed to be checked. You know what I mean? Ego, ego, and I always said it since I read it in this book I was reading, is that ego is always meant to be a passenger seat driver, like rider. You know what I mean? Once you give ego the wheel, it's going to crash because ego is blind. It's only meant there to say, yo, bro, you got it. Keep going. You know what I'm saying? But if you let that sucker take over the whip, you're it's going over. where that whip is going. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's into a wall, a tree, or flipping. You know what I mean? Let's just keep it a hundred and a buck. Like most of these jazz artists that would come through, they're always, you know, the male, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be me. I'm doing this. I got a big ego. You know what I'm saying? Let me show you how many notes I can play. Before toxic masculinity became even a popular term, when I feel like it became a popular term as the lesson was, you know, thriving. And so we started to, you know, have to talk about it and started to encounter it. And literally, as you were talking about, in some instances, had to literally fight it. So it wouldn't become a a physical encounter, you know? Um, And I feel like the lesson really helped with that. For what I've seen as the music scene in New York, I see way more out and obviously flamboyant gay people on either spectrums, whether you're butch lesbian or whether you're, you know, a flamboyant gay male or whether you're trans, you know, I have seen so much more collaboration in hip hop and in jazz than I've ever seen. And I I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. I feel like it's a direct, you know, again, to that communication, they see us talking about being free. And as we're going through the lesson, we're all starting to wear fingernail polish. As we're going through the lesson, they see me wearing less, you know, men's pants and like only onesies, you know, like they see us literally evolving and like telling and being and speaking that truth um, throughout the lesson at that communication factor of it. Now, into literal communication of it, let's talk about the break. Blue, what is so special about the break? Um, it was, you know, like I touched on it before. It was like one of those times for, you know, when you guys are on stage, the um, audience, if you will, is kind of just breathing in that energy that you guys had left up there, right? And then when they came, so the whole room, well, not the whole room, you know, like a good amount of people would flow into the main bar And, um, that magic was kind of there, but it was a place that you can kind of digest it. Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, like I said before, it was like my favorite part. Um, not just because that's where I would get busy, but because you, you felt it was intoxicating. You Mm -hmm. felt the energy felt, um, what people were excited about, you know, uh, you felt everything that you guys had just done. And I think that's the beauty about music in general is, it gives us this feeling, right. Of whatever it may be, hope, love, um, understanding, uh, angst. It gives you, it gives you these feelings. And I mm. think it was a cool place to be able to watch people digest that. And it was also really a great place because, um, the artists themselves became, they came down off of this stage onto everybody's level. And it was a good opportunity for people to come and touch and like feel the realness of you guys. Mm-hmm. And it was a place for you guys to just kind of take a deep breath, have a drink or a bottle of water. Like, um, Jonathan, you'd always come and refill your water, have some or, water. Like, <laughs> or, you know, like it was a, that chance just to be, to kind of take a big breather and then go and like, let's rally again. And it was a cool experience. And that was like the cool dynamic of our leans of, of that transitional period um, for me to experience that was really cool. And, um, I think that was something that, you know, like I've never been to a concert. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I have a hard time saying, or, uh, the lesson was a concert because it just felt so much more than that. But, um, but I guess I've never been to a show and been able to also touch talk and, um, again, digest that with my friends and then go and back that, that, that experience yeah. I've never experienced and I've never seen it done. Um, but I loved it. I, yeah. I, it was my favorite part. Our early years, it was free period. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're getting two sets for free. It was insane. The, I, the concept was insane. And I would say for my never, first, 
broke, you never broke that high, if you will. And I think that's what having to pay for the second set are like, you know, like you break that high, you break the high. You never broke that high with the lesson. You buy it. And then when we started to charge, you buy the one, whatever thing, then you're good. You know what I'm saying? You're good for both sets. Um, It was just, I find those early years, especially for me, I, those were, those breaks were pivotal, you know? Um, it was a moment to meet, as you were saying, meet the crowd, meet the musicians that you just were on stage with, that you did vibe with, you know, um, which is what I think made Arlene's the perfect incubator for the lesson, you know, like that divider of from venue to this area. And then right before I go out, I have to go to the bar and I see the drummer. And what I love looking now in retrospect, from what I've heard from almost every person that may have felt any kind of way in retrospect, is that they get it. You know, now they're doing their own jams. They get it. <laughs> now, you know what I'm saying? Like, However, I wonder, I wonder if it needed to take that, though. That's, that's, that's what, that's an important question. Did, did it take for you to start yours, for you to get it? Or do, did you just always get it? You know what I'm saying? Right. Because I think you know, some people always got it for sure. And that's what I love about now. And like in retrospect, they still they know it. Even the ones that didn't get it and still feel some kind of way in retrospect, they realize, which is the next topic, how the lesson has shaped the music culture of New York. Long lasting. Long lasting. We see <laughs> we 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 seen it. We see it. And we see it. You know what I mean? Like and we, we see, see it. it. And it's it's insane. and I've traveled many years throughout my life doing music. There has never been a jam that does what the lesson does ever. The all of it, the vibe, the music, the the format of you know um, DJ band, DJ band, DJ. What? Like, come on! Like, just hitting every angle of a good night of music. You know, a great night of music hitting every. I've never seen it. I've never seen it now. In the past three years, oh yeah, we know of the places in Europe that now, you know, do what mm-hmm. we do, have asked us to use our name, you know? How do you feel about that? How do you feel, how do you feel knowing that you are, you are a part of something, the both of you are part of something that has long lasted, shaped the culture in New York? And if it's shaped the culture of New York, it obviously has shaped, it, shaped the culture of the world. So go ahead and, you know, say it, speak on it. So I think it goes back to, um, something that I touched on earlier was that perfect storm, right? Like those perfect storms are very hard to duplicate. Mm -hmm. Um, not saying that it can't happen, but it's just very difficult to duplicate. And so I think, um, when you have something so special, and I think that's why we're here is to kind of talk about something so special. Um, it's, it, breed something that stays with you long after, you know, again, I've had people come up to me consistently, um, saying that they had these experiences. So when you have that sort of, when you created that sort of dynamic, um, it is, I feel impossible to recreate. Um, Mm -hmm. if you do recreate it and you do change, like it's going to grow and it's going to be versions Mm -hmm. of what you guys created. And I think that is really cool. I mean, it's, I don't feel, I feel very nostalgic about it. I feel like I feel very lucky to be a part of it. I feel like Arlene's is very lucky to have housed it. Um, I don't feel like we're as much of an identity of it as it is of us, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I feel like we just got really lucky to be able to be a part of it. And with the staff and, and I feel like I was lucky to be able to be a part of it as it grows and as it's influences, um, the music in New York and beyond. Um, there's nothing that's going to be quite like that because of the fact that you guys originated it. And because of it was that perfect storm and that perfect recipe that created it to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, that's a very, difficult place but very special absolutely like there's a there's a couple different pieces to the puzzle that makes this a magical thing one is before the lesson Arlene's was always kind of known for its rock 
influences and 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 Blue could attest, like you know what I'm saying. And and they even had their famous rock and roll karaoke show that 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 show was since the '90s. It was going and it was a very popular thing. Have actors, comedians go and sing their favorite rock songs. So that's like that's hot. You know what I'm saying? That's dope. And and but then for me to to see them be open to a hip hop jam session back in like 2012, that was very, that was very insane to me because I was like, yo, Arlene's want to rock with us. Like that, that was the first thing I said in my head. I was like, yo, they're not, they not about that. They, you know what I'm saying? But I, and, and somehow whoever that, that, that the conversation was had with, they saw the picture. They was like, all right, well, live band, they come in with this. I, it sounds interesting. Let's try it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, just for that person to say, let's try it, my God. That's when, 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 when Blue say we were lucky, it was like, yo, you got to, it's that one person that yeah. said, let's try it, that we got to give all the high fives and the hugs, Absolutely. right? That's one thing. Two, it's like the difference between our jam and a lot of other jams is that the messaging and the things that we brought forth in the jam was a feeling that was needed. Like, like people who went to events, they needed to get that feeling. They needed to get that connection. So they got that. Everybody else, they might be playing in the same lanes of musicality that we were about, maybe not the same level or same reflect reflection of it, but if they're not providing something that they feel that a person needs to have, they're just playing for people. But for us, it's the need of the person, which is why I feel like, again, some nights, some years, some seasons, it was all about happiness. It was all about overcoming. It was all about, I'm trying to get, you know what I'm saying? Like I had a couple of those for a whole two months. Like, like, it still kills me, and I'm gonna go ahead and say it. And I hope they don't edit this out. It still kills me that OK Player, um, Vice, and all these New York things never once did a piece on us, like an, uh, a a a jam of hip hop that caters Ray, that caters Queen Michelle, that catered Joy Badass. That you know, and then from there outsourced all of us to work for them in some capacity, I'm not going to go down the list of the insane roster that we all have worked on. I can't even right now. And they never did a piece. They never did a story on us. It blows my mind. And I just wonder, is it because we were too good? Like, is it because we weren't full of crap? Is it because, you know, we could also jazz you to death if we wanted to? Is it because we are going to boom bop the hell out of you? You know what I'm saying? Is it because, you know, I'm gay as all get out and it doesn't make any sense because it's not popular yet? Like, yo, Arlene's Grocery was... This is crazy. Arlene's Grocery was the pregnant belly holding us that's what it was consider the years like the months yeah you know what i'm saying in 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 a belly right and that's what we were doing man we were feeding each other we were feeding you know what i'm saying and we were building each other like arlene's you know arlene's made a lot of changes you know like having conversations with us like saying yo let's try this let's try this to make the the venue, this or that. And Blue could attest, like, we always try, we try to make things as dope for us as for them because that's going to bring, it's going to bring the vibes. We, we, we worked as a team, you know what I'm saying? And that's, and, and which wanted me, which wanted me to transition into this. Like, you see, Jonathan, he said it, you know, I don't know if it's because I'm gay, because I'm this, because I'm that. Like, yo, Jonathan, this has been a journey for Jonathan as well. Like, you know, Oh within, my gosh. I'm trying not yeah. to talk about it as much, but yeah. No, no, we gotta, we gotta nobody, touch on it. It's like, nobody knew me. It took yeah. the, like, but that's why I wanna, that's why I say what I say though. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. What's dope about the lesson is that as dope as all of us are, a lot of us were the people that nobody wanted to give a chance. So we all took a chance on each other. Like Arlene's took a chance on us. I think that's what's beautiful about this entire story. Lenny took a chance on me. All of us took a chance on this thing. It was just like, we're going to do it. We're going to try it. And like, 
I feel like not enough chances are taken. And I love that, you know, Arlene's gave us the nutrients and gave us the, all of us, the platform to do, and at all of us individually and as a band, the platform to do amazing thing, i.e. Nord and Amsterdam. You know what I'm saying? But I guess my bigger point is I think what the lesson did was literally ahead of its time at that time. To be honest, it's crazy, but it's kind of like, if you look at it, uh, I feel that for the time period that we had, we were the called for that time period of time. Mm-hmm. We were the one that was called to, to, to minister while the ministered were ministering back to us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it was never just uh, us giving you the message. We're giving you the message because we're trying to unlearn the things that we're giving you the messages on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so I feel like we were, we were the called. And then after that, you're going to see the offsprings from the calls, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Like, like the, like, like whoever that preacher preaches to that is lo and behold, becoming a preacher. That's going to be the next person that Absolutely. is doing what is doing. You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? And that's why like, like you have, you know, uh, like, like, uh, like blue could talk about, like even the folks that came in right after us, honey, you know what I'm saying? Honey, the trap, honey trap. Think, right? They, you know, they were college kids that, did their papers to graduate on us, you know? And I knew another girl. That's awesome. That I met at a bar in that area on a, like, Tuesday night, uh, like, in that time. And she was, yo, she was talking about the lesson right in front of me, not knowing that I was the guy. Those are just the ones that we know of. Exactly. With that, let's talk about some of those favorite memories and favorite performers that have graced the stage. Um, I need to know that. What are your favorite, some of your favorite memories? Who are your favorite performers that graced the stage? Oh, man. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to toot it, but I'm going to toot it. Like if I knew how to play the horn. You, bro. You, 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 you represent, you represent one of, uh, of the favorite you represent one of the favorite experiences that became a permanent fixture within the group. But, um, I, I would, I would, I would say that you are one. Um, I feel, um, I think when, uh, Robert Glasper first came and played, everybody went crazy because that was around the time he had won the Grammy. So mm-hmm. all the phones were out, like, you know what I mean? So that, that was crazy. Um, uh, uh, who else? Oh man, for me, it was it was crazy. Not a performer, but like when Bilal was just chilling in the the many times, audience. the many yes. times that he yes. would just come and early in the set too. That's what I love. He would come for first set, and then my second set, he was not there. Like by the time everybody else showed up, he's like, "Y'all crazy? Y'all missed all the shit." I'm out. <laughs> it's not like you know y'all missed. Yeah. yeah, like that was the that was the vibe. Like you know, like him. Uh, you know. So it's like, for me, it's a mixture of things. It's not necessarily like memorable performers. It's, it's a mixture of the performers. It's knowing about those times when Atlantic Records was here, Universal Records was there, you know, in the room. Like, you know what I mean? Auntie like Jean that up in the crowd. Yeah. Uncle you know what Quale I mean? up in the crowd. Word up. And let's not even, one thing that I also, is when I look into the crowd and I see somebody that look like they 58 years old. And they just chilling with, on the with side their, with their son or their daughter, with the son or daughter, with a wife. That is what touches my life. Mm-hmm. So when I say, oh, who's favorite? Oh, man, I have those moments. But like, my God, I have other moments that had nothing to do with music that Absolutely. played just as high as as that. I mean, just so many beautiful things within the community. And I feel like as we all progress, the community progressed. and. That's like my favorite memories are the breaks, period, point blank. And that like watching people grow, coming to the venue the next week and somebody telling you that, you know, the job that, oh, I don't want to get too emotional, but the job that they interviewed for that, you know, y'all talked about happened. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, like the boy that they were chatting to you about last week, he ain't, sh- you know what I'm saying? Like, like I miss that. Like you got to watch people literally grow. Like it was crazy. So, I guess as we like, you know, 
summarize this, it sounds like, you know, a lot of the overall themes of the lesson or community are um, another uh, aspect, at least, is um, the, the communication within the community, you know, because you can have a community that's not communicating and that's when it's chaos. Um, but the communication within the community, as well as literally the exchange of not necessarily power, but the exchange of energy, which is hilarious, that is Jinte Kaijo, you know, limitation, cancellation, mm-hmm. expanding energy at all times. And like, that's kind of literally what happened. Hey, Arlene's gives us a chance. Great. We give, we literally every week now give musicians a chance. We give every week music a chance to be something different, something new. We give the experience a chance to be something different, something new. Um, and now seeing that in other experiences throughout the city, literally throughout the world per that connection and that beautiful um, union of Arlene's and the lesson. I would like to now ask Blue, I'll first ask you, what was the first Thursday without the lesson like for you? I'm going to say it was really quiet. (laughs) It was really quiet and it was really like like, dang, um, we knew, um, about a month in advance. And so we kind of, kind of, you know, processed it, I guess, but it was definitely, um, damn. And I think too, (laughs) we also had so many people just show up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, like in droves, just being like, where, like, where is it? You know? Mm -hmm. And we gotta be like, you just had to, you know, say it over and over and over. It was, it was tough. It was, it was definitely like a little piece missing, but you were just, didn't even know it had grown on to you. And then it's gone and you realize that there's a a little hole there that you didn't expect. Face. (laughs) All right. So, so my first, my first Thursday in, in all honesty, I'm gonna have to say it was relieving mm-hmm. and i'm and i'm and i say it in in this way and and uh it's because out of the entire band i'm the one that was there the most you know what i mean so i only missed four lessons in seven eight years yeah that that the last three the, the last three that made the four was all in one year you know what i'm saying yeah. because of certain things i had going on in my life at the time so it's like, but I'll say this, when the discussion came up that, you know, we was going to like fade it out, like, you know, I was, I think you and I, Jonathan, were the ones that were like, nah, let's, yep. you know, we were- let's Ride it out, let's keep that, going, our fans like, want it. Yeah. We was like, we were the ones that were like speaking for us and the people, but also we weren't also- uh connecting with that part of ourselves that knew we needed the rest, the break, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so that first or second Thursday, I was in Florida, bro. I was in Florida. I planned a trip. I was <laughs> like, I am going to whatever. And guess what happened? While I was chilling in Florida, I was up in some bar freestyling anyway, because uh-huh. the music was popping. I was there with some homies. And I just started rhyming because that's what I would do on that particular exactly. day. Exactly. You, you know what I mean? But it, it was a it was a pretty uh relieving time for me. You know what I'm saying? It was just crazy. And I just got to kind of do a lot more with my time, breathe a little bit, like you know, chill, connect with people that I didn't get to. And I used that more as a medicinal thing for me. Mm-hmm. than anything else. You know what I'm saying? Because that time that I used to connect with people, I couldn't connect on the other days of the week. And it helped me mm-hmm. as a person. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that, that's what that's what my first few Thursdays were without without the lesson. But but I will always get hit up by like Prez All or somebody. Time. You know what I mean? They like, look, man, this what it looked like. We got that hair, man. Like showing us pictures and videos or whatever. And you know, so it's 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 super love though man it's super love though yeah yeah i mean i'll chime in mine was uh 
weird. Like I, of course, like had a moment of a, of course, uh, I think, how can I put it? That night, it was all weird. Like I didn't know what to do. I think I had a show, I was opening up for Mason and Black Wall Street, Nakara Warren, Katie Jones, um, mm-hmm. Haley Nyslanger, you know, the, the hang, the hang, mm-hmm. the homies, mm-hmm. David Fraser on drums, the homies. But that was Wednesday. I think me and Date, um, AJ did a show for her at Mercury Lounge. But the, you know, that following day or that night, rather, that Thursday night, nothing going on, I don't think. And then waking up that Friday, was the one for me. Cause you know, the thing, so real quick, what nobody knows unless you were the homie is that on Fridays, I used to like do a church gig in Harlem. I used to teach, mm. teach a whole choir for two and a half years after singing my voice down and wow. out on Thursdays. I had to get strength every Friday to send whatever or not to even send but to like confirm whatever song or basically by friday at noon any questions that have been asked about any of the music any of the things had to be done because at by the time i got there by six you know you can be asking no questions can you have you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah that was every friday up in harlem um and so for me waking up that following friday i, I had already quit that job but I was still accustomed to the lesson waking up, you know, on Fridays with like, you know, exhausted. Waking up with energy. I will never forget that. Like my first Friday, knowing that I will always now wake up with energies on fr- with energy on Fridays. That was like, it was kind of like heaven. So as much as I hated the night, and I think even the following two nights, especially it didn't help for me that people kept texting what's happening with the lesson you know and at that time I actually didn't know you know like I knew that we had talks and I knew that we had gigs definitely I knew that we had music definitely I just didn't know no so I couldn't even give them any like you know future plans because I'm like I don't know like honestly um so it just also kept me remind you know kept reminding me oh this thing that you used to do is done you know so it was kind of rough for a month on all Thursday nights but every Friday morning, holy man, I felt anew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so is there anything else that you guys want to chime in about with your either experience with the lesson or with your experience with Arlene's, either of those things? Um, man, man, go I, ahead, Blue. I think what's important today is how things like the lesson will never be able to exist if you don't have small independent clubs and they're, they're dropping off like flies and we are unable to stay. And we're all the ones that are left are staying afloat and we're getting the help that we need. And there's, um, organizations that have been formed to help really make people understand how important small venues are. There is no, magic. There's nothing rumbling under the surface of New York, Nashville, LA, um, without small music venues. And in they're in dire need of support. So many have closed. And I think that beauty always comes from pain at some point. Mm -hmm. I think that music is going to prevail, but I think that, um, independent venue week means so much. Um, independent music festivals mean so much. Mm-hmm. Um, because artists like yourself, experiences like the lesson need to have those places that they can say, yeah. you took a chance yeah. on me. Cause when you get to the big places, they don't have the same capability Definitely to capture not. magic or give those chances. You know, you get investors involved and there's just like so many things. Exactly. You, the independence is so, so important. So I, um, you know, to cheers on what we've experienced together and, and how much there are some of my favorite memories and will be forever and how I feel so lucky to be a part of it. And it really is because of the small spaces that that helped each other love, you know, love each other. Yeah. I was just going to say that it's these small, it's these small spaces that make you, you know what I'm saying? Because Mm -hmm. like when you think about the uh, artistry game, right? You have the underground, 
You have the kind of people that are emerging from the underground and then you have the major artists, right? So in a lot of cases, we're missing a lot of this middle point and we're only getting the bottom and what we see on the top. So there could be somebody really dope on the bottom, but there's no medium to mm-hmm. bring them in. There's no deep enough shovel or, or digging capacity to bring them down there. And I feel that places like Arlene's, Pianos, Mercury Lounge, all these places that are around, mm-hmm. you when you meet it with a special thing, my God, when you mm-hmm. meet it with that special thing, that's the thing that when you get big, they're going to be talking about that. Forever. You know what I mean? They would be, oh, I remember Forever. when it was at CBGB's, man. I used to watch them at CBGB's. Like, if it wasn't for that weekly vibe in Arlene's, in that, what you call the independent music venue, right? If it wasn't for that, I couldn't I couldn't even be sitting here and having yeah. this conversation. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, 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 doing this is what allowed a lot of people to see how further my history goes mm-hmm. with what I do. You know what I'm saying? So... So again, that's why if any reason, guys, if you're coming up in the game, you need your pockets of venues. And Arlene's is one of those things. And if we didn't have that, we wouldn't be here. So that's mm-hmm. why we here to big up this magnanimous, wonderful, beautiful, painful, frustrating, compassionate, integrating love fest called music and independent venues. Yeah. Without it, we are nothing. Have to have them. Have to 100%. have them. And I would say this, if you are an artist and you do have, you know, a live venue and you have played there often, especially in this time, I'm doing it myself, literally starting today, write some of those people that have booked you and say thank you. You know, I think mm-hmm. that sometimes uh, on either side, there may not be a realization. I know COVID has shown us all now, but there may not be a realization of, the inevitable interdependence between venue and artists, you know, like if it weren't for Arlene's, the lesson may not have hit the way it needed to hit. Had it just been a one shot situation where it's only music and then you have this one bar situation there, mm-hmm. you know, there goes your moment of reprieve. If you are, if you, or, for those people that did find their booze at, you know, all these groceries that they could go over to the other side, you know, when the music was popping and nobody was on the other side, they could just have the, you know, we all saw y'all, we all saw y'all in the corner because you know, we had the, the, the butcher room has this side of it, it has a deeper level. And I, 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 we, yes. saw y'all, we saw y'all many a times, girl. We saw you, we saw you boys. Yes. We saw y'all. Boys and girls, boys and boys, girls and girls. You know, we saw y'all. We Y'all did it. It's okay. Um, this was literally amazing. It was like mm-hmm. so fun to recollect with you all. Uh, Arlene's has a very special place in my heart. It's very, very special place in my heart. Literally my first home in New York. And I know that the story isn't over for any of the members or iterations of the lesson. And I know that Arlene's is always going to be attached to our story. That is beautiful. 